0: Message John chapter 19, Uh, starting at verse 30, it says, when Jesus had tasted it, well, let me me kind of rephrase here so at least you know, I'm catching up in the middle of the story, because it would have taken a long time to read the whole story, but basically, this is Jesus, picture Jesus on the cross, he's really just right there at the end, and then he says, I'm thirsty, could someone give me a drink when he's out nailed to the cross? And, and some guy decides, well, takes a sponge, dips it in vinegar, and shoves it in his, nose, in his mouth. You know, can you imagine um, how distasteful that was? And then Vasari, where I'm starting to read, says when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Come on, help me out. He said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave, gave up his spirit. It was a day of preparation. And the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day. Which was Sabbath. In fact, it was a special Sabbath because it was Passover week. So they asked the pilot to hasten their deaths by ordering that their, their legs be broken. Then their bodies, their bodies could be taken down. Now, now if you... For those maybe that might not be familiar with the story and how the timing of Jesus' death and, and his crucifixion, God had planted a, a, against a, an ancient event that had happened to the children of Israel. and it was a week of celebration that had happened se- for centuries before Jesus. The Jewish people still to this day celebrates Passover. And, and a Passover is, is basically the holiday that commemorates uh, a reflection of the day that they were delivered from Egypt. Uh, where they had been slaves for several generations. And finally, they had earned their freedom, uh, well, they are about to earn their freedom, and, and, and their oppressor would not let them go. And so what had happened is that God moved and, and basically allowed for, 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 for there to be such a, um, um, a terror in Egypt that um, the angel of death was permitted to wreak havoc. In, in Egypt and, and, and the Israelites were commanded to take a blood, the blood of the lamb as a sacrifice and, 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 and paint it on their doorsteps and when this de- uh, let me call it the demon of, of death would come through wherever the blood was he passed that house so that's called the passover well the Israelites or the Egyptians had not gotten the memo nobody had tagged them um, on this, and so, you guess when the angel came along, all the Egyptians, all the Israelites were safe, but every firstborn in Egypt was dead that night, and it caused so much pain that Pharaoh, who was so mean, who had oppressed the uh, the Israelites for so long, decided to let go of the slaves, and that's. How Passover is celebrated is a reflection of what had happened that day. So they had a week of celebration. Uh, And and then these guys that had taken Jesus were religious people. And and, and they wanted to kind of go on with their festivities. So they felt like it was taking too long on those guys on the cross. They weren't dying quick enough. So they said, well... We don't want them to be hanging there. It's going to mess up with our celebration. And so they said, well, why don't you get some people to go out, knock, knock them down a little bit, break their bones, speed up this thing. They said, ac- let's accelerate the process here. And so they came, verse 32, so the soldiers came and broke their legs, the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But when they came to, the, to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. So they didn't break his leg. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side, just to check, just in case, is he really alive? Went on there and pierced the side, and immediately blood and water flowed out. Now, this is a report John writes. Say, the, the, John writes, so this is a report from an eyewitness, an accurate one. He speaks the truth so that you, also you may continue to believe. Verse study six, these things happen in fulfillment, Of the scripture that says, "No one of his bones will be broken," and they will look on on the one who appears. I don't know if you caught those. Those are two different verses. So even at the very last minute of the cross, Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. The people around him, even the people that were uh, came out uh, against him and did all. Every one of them, words that they were saying. They are fulfilling prophecies without even knowing. I am constantly amazed at the details that God has. Even, even this minutia minutiae details. Jesus covered. Do you not realize that in the Old Testament, which the last book was written 400 years, 450 years before Jesus would come, there were hundreds of prophecies that were prophesying about the coming Messiah. Over 300 prophecies by different guys that had lived at different eras and different times. all Every one of those prophecies, Jesus fulfilled in a short time. Through his life, where he would be born. They, all those little details were fulfilled. Over 300. I, I read this once. that so I thought it was really cool. You might not care for it, but just because I like it, I'm going to tell you. I'm sorry. I'm just, it's a bad joke. Sometimes uh, I, it, it flops. Now, but uh, the odds of one person, I'm not going to say, I'm just going to give you a summary. The odds of one person just fulfilling one prophecy is pretty hard. Have you ever played the lottery before? I don't raise your hand here. We won't be judging. How many people win the lottery? Very few, right? You get the picture. The odds are so little for one person to strike it right. Can you imagine 300 times only Jesus could? Over 300 times, he fulfilled prophecies. What what, what is my point here? Is he just trying to kind of throw in numbers? No. My point is very simple. Every day of our lives, every little thing, every little detail of our life, Jesus cares about. You know, God is not just concerned about the big things of life. If it was only salvation... He could have done it the other one way. He could have gotten taken care of it really quickly. But I'm here to, come, to declare this morning is that God loves you. And he cares about every single detail of your life. The big stuff and the not so big stuff. When, the, when, the, when he says cast your cares upon Jesus because he cares for you. Because he cares about every detail. I believe all the prophecies were fulfilled that way to remind you and I that God knows our every day. He knows how your week was and he cares about how your week went. He knows what your tomorrow is like and he cares about how your tomorrow will go. Yes. To me, nothing gives me confidence and, and hope or to walk this life when I know I have a God who cares for my life. Yes. Yes. He cares about being involved with my family, being involved in my business, being involved with, with just all the things that matter to me. That is so comforting to me. Jesus shed his blood, and his blood was currency. The only thing that could pay our debt. I wanted to talk about just three things. There are so many benefits of the cross. When he said he's finished, I want to a couple things about um, the word redemption and why he, he, he's, he's our redeemer. We say our, our redeemer lives. In his redeeming, and the shedding of his blood means something, not just for our salvation, but even the life that we live now. Okay? Um, <clears throat> the first thought I want to share is that it's about this concept of um, ransom. Uh, Titus 2.14 says that, that Jesus, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all our wickedness and to purify us for himself, a people that are, he, he, his, uh, are, are his very own. I can't read today, right? Eager to do, his, to do what is good. Man, I need to start over, don't I? First Peter 1.19 says he paid... For you with his precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him for the purpose long before the world began. But now, in these final days, He has sent to the earth for all to see, and He did this for you. See the Passover Lamb that they sacrificed could only provide deliverance for a moment the Passover lamb provided deliverance for that one moment that they needed to escape but in order to continue how many know that the Israelites continued to offer sacrifices in the tabernacle and use a lamb for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and Jesus became the Passover lamb for us. Once and for all, he paid the price. And that's why he said, it is finished. You no longer have to bring your lambs to the altar. You no longer have to try and, and beg for your sins to be forgiven. No, he, he, he created, he shed his blood once and for all. And when he declared that, well, they thought they were killing him. They thought they're destroying him. They thought this is over. He said, it is finished. But he says, that yeah, it is finished because you and I now have hope. Now think about this. From the day Jesus was born, Satan wanted to take his life. Christmas we celebrate. Remember the story of the wise men who had, I don't know, these guys were brilliant. I don't, they followed the stars. They, they were able to follow just astronomically be able to pinpoint where he would be. No maps, no GPS, no Siri. They knew by following the stars exactly where he would be. They find the baby, they worship him, they decide they're going to they bring gifts and offering. And the king of the area, Herod the Great, says, hey, when you find that little king, that little, I'm going to go there. And worship him. Please pin the address for me. Send it on my phone, right where I'm at. Gotta put it in today's world. Come on, otherwise you'll miss the point. And I'll go do the same thing. And deep inside of his heart, he was threatened. He thought, "Well, I don't want. When I die, I want my kid to take this job. And now you're telling me there's a little king someplace that's gonna take over." I'm going to make sure that little baby is no more. And God protected him. And there was an attempt to take his life over and over. For 30 years, he walked. And finally, 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 Satan says, I've got him. I've pushed him to the corner. I've gotten one of his own men to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. And even then, he was fulfilling prophecy. And they shoved him into a corner between a rock and a hard place, nowhere to go. Satan's feeling so good about his accomplishment. For 33 years I've tried. I've tried from the political leaders, I've tried from the religious leaders, I've tried from every front. And this guy, I just can't get him. I come this close. And I miss. There's a story that says there's one time there were people were chasing after him. And it says he says he walked right in the middle of them and they didn't see him. He was sleek. He was good. Finally, nailed him to the cross. His disciples are absolutely confused. They knew Jesus was Lord. Let me tell you, they did. There was a time that Jesus was gathering with his disciples. And, and he just wanted to know what's going on in town. I he says, you know, I've read the headlines. I've seen CNN and Fox News. They're saying all sorts of things about me. And it's kind of interesting. Have you seen Facebook, Instagram, people are talking. They're, they're saying some stuff. So... What a, who, who do they really say that I am? And some of them are guessing. The same some of them say that you are a prophet. You are Elijah reincarnated and all that. They "Oh, that's all cool. But who do you say that I am? And G- Luca. Uh, Luca. <laughs> hey, Luca, how you doing, brother? <laughs> and Peter. looks him straight in the face and he says, I know who you are. He says, you are Christ, son of the living God. They already knew who he was. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, hey, people, look here. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. God himself put that revelation inside of his heart. And he says, from this day on, you shall no longer be called Peter. You are the rock. I know someone stole that name. A guy from Hawaii. Hawaii they used to play football. (laughs) you are the rock and on this rock I will build my church and even the gates of hell whether they set bombs in Colombo or anything like that or whether they turn against you in America or decide to say you don't exist nobody I will build my church and even the gates of hell will not be able to penetrate against it so these guys knew who he was but when in the moment of that crucifixion they were confused they forgot everything that they knew Peter is the one who denied Christ three times. He was so afraid for his life. He thought, I don't know what's going on in my world. Things were going very well as far as I know. And right now, I have no idea what the next step is. Does it sound like sometimes we experience those things in our lives? You're just cruising through life, twiddling along, cruise control. Things are going absolutely fabulous. Spring and fall in Nebraska. The shortest seasons in the world. We could be like a, we, I. wish we had like six months spring. How many are for spring? Yeah. 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 Things are going well. I'm Ben. A phone call from the doctor says, "Man, you gotta come in. Those results were not very good. We need to talk." Um, they don't tell you the results in those calls. They don't tell you that they weren't very good. This is just, we need to talk. And you know. That that's not good. i will tell you, right? Or something show up in your finances or whatever it is. A kid. That's not doing so well. And you have those moments in life that kind of stop everything. And that's where the disciples were. They thought, wow, this is crazy. Satan is awesome. Thinking, I did it. Finally, 33 years I've been trying to have done it. And all along, all along, God had never lost control. He had an ace in his pocket. He watched the game play out. And it looked like it's over. Put the cut down and says, it is finished. Death could not contain him. Death could not hold him. He rose again on the third day. The Bible said, Though sorrow may endure for the night, his joy comes in the morning. God had never lost control. In the middle of all the trouble, God sustained and God had this plan all along to save you and I. And now every single human being, good and bad, Good-looking and not so good-looking. I can't say ugly, but I did it anyway. (laughs) Every single one that calls on his name has eternal life for them. Whosoever, it says in Romans, shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Sometimes, in a small scale, It happens in our lives. Remember how I started with saying all the details? Don't think for a moment that those details God doesn't care about. He does. Don't think for a moment those details, however negative they might be, however much pressure you might feel, God still cares for you. That's why you'd hear a guy like David would say, when he discovered who God was, he says, Surely, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He realized God never loses because he was under tremendous pressure at the time but he determined in his heart I will trust in you God Job had discovered this, and he had so many problems in his life, and, and had lost everything, his wealth, his health, everything, his family, and, and yet he goes to the point, to the point of, he's not like he believed that God afflicted him. He knew where the affliction came, but he says, even if God, even if you afflict me, even if you slay me, yet I will still trust in you. My hope is in you. Those guys today that, uh, uh, that got hit, uh, they, they were just had ordinary people going to church celebrating Easter. If they knew the Lord, that was not that's not the end of the story. The attacker think they won. The attacker think, oh, we really shook them. And maybe they did shake him. But God still has the ace. He might backfire as we pray. And I'm praying he backfires. That some people start questioning their beliefs. And say, who is this Jesus after all? And God will begin to walk on their hearts. They can be drawn to Jesus. So in their death and in their bloodshed, that life would come. Just like in Jesus, his death and his bloodshed, every human being has an opportunity for eternal life should they trust in Jesus. The ransom is... So much—it's about having the right currency. I remember one time um, I'd gone to Kenya. (laughs) It was one of those quick trips. I think I was going somewhere else in route, and I stopped in Kenya, and I and I um, had—I was needing a ride. I think I forget where it was, but. I had American dollars in my pocket. I, I remember the story clearly. I had American dollars in my pocket and had a credit card and my debit card, you know. And you could always, when you go to overseas, you could always pull uh, your money in the local currency from an ATM. And so that's what I do when I go overseas. I don't carry so much. And then I could use my ATM. Well, I needed just equivalent of about five bucks. But I needed it in local currency to pay the taxi man. And I had none. Yet in my wallet, I had more than five bucks. I had a lot of money. I had access with my card. And I couldn't find an ATM anywhere. I kept walking and says, dude, uh, would you take it? He looked at my dollar and says, nah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Because he, he wasn't feeling good about, hey, are you trying to scam me or what is going on? I had the money, but I didn't have the right currency to use to get myself out. Finally, I found an ATM and I pulled some Kenyan shillings and I was able to get myself out of the bind. And you and I are born into sin and we don't have the right currency to take care of it. It's only the blood of Jesus that can deal. It's a proper currency. And Jesus shed his blood and says, Hey, I got this. Give me the bill. I'll take care of it. Some of you are sitting with a bill in your pocket. You've never really given Jesus that bill. I'm encouraging you today. Give him the bill. He wants to take care of it. <coughs> Don't carry it by yourself. He died on the cross to take care of your bill. Amen. Don't carry it. Don't try something. I'll, I'll do better. I'll try to do better. No, you can't do good enough. You can never be good enough. You can, there's nothing you could ever do that will make you earn it. Say, I'm a good person. I'll try next time. I'll come to God and I got it all together. He says, no, no, no. You come to God and he'll help you get it together. The second thing he gives us is Access. Through his blood. The first thing I said, well, he paid the ransom through his blood. second thing he gives us is access to the blood. And I've got to take you to the beginning to make this very short point. <clears throat> if you read the first three chapters of the, of the Bible, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you get just a little picture, a little glimpse of what perfect life for humanity is. Because this was pre-sin. Sin happened in chapter 3 that entered the world. And one of the things Adam and Eve had with God that was so special is that they had fellowship. He says, in the cool of the day, God came and hang out with them. What are you doing today? Yeah, who won last night? Does San Antonio Stars still doing well? No, no, I, 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 I give me a nervous breakdown every single time. And they had fellowship. You know, that's silly, but they they had relationship with God. And they talked to him face to face. Sin and God cannot exist in the same place. And when they sin, it opened the door for more sin to enter the world. They lost that relationship. They lost that connection. You know what the immediate response was? They ran and hid. They found branches and covered themselves. They didn't want to be around God. Inside of them, one, they felt ashamed. They were feeling all sorts of emotions that had never experienced before. Because they had opened their hearts to sin. And they lost that fellowship. And their lives changed from there. The lost had access to their creator. And if you study the Old Testament, the Jewish worship, you'd see that through when, they, when they built the tabernacle, Moses set up the blueprint for it. There was a place that was called the Holy of Holies. It was the most holy place in the tabernacle, in the temple that only the high priest of the time had access to. And they would go once a year after doing all sorts of rituals and and, and making sure that they're purified before they would go and face God and stand in the gap for the sin of the people. And people would be outside waiting, praying, Sacrificing, singing, and just hoping. And the high priest will show, if they show up, people will celebrate. No, hey, we got God's favor this year, we can carry on with life. And sometimes if they go out out there unholy, they'll never come back. And nobody, everybody was too afraid to get on the other side because they'll be struck because of their sin. And so they would tie a rope on the heels of the person going in. And if we took long, man, you know, he went there three days ago and he hasn't shown up. And nobody will, they'll just pull the rope. Get the guy in and try again. And when Jesus died on the cross, he says that that veil, that curtain, that stood between the holy place and the holy of holies was torn from the top to down and it was split wide open. Said it is finished, he says I'm giving you access. I'm giving you access. You have an opportunity to face God. You have an opportunity to come before him. And he says in the New Testament that now we can approach the throne of grace, the throne of God with confidence. Yes. Why? Because yes. he said it is finished. Yes. A few years ago I went to Washington D.C. I was in Washington D.C. and I hooked up with a friend of mine who worked for then uh, the, the, minority, uh, the majority weep at the time. And so he, <clears throat> he says, yeah, I'll, I'll show you around, you know. There was a showing around, but show, being shown around by someone who has access was a totally different experience, you know. So this is a, we, we didn't even have to look for a place to park. We had some FBI, like secret service guys come in and show us exactly where to go in. And he took us in. I mean, we're sitting in the speaker's veranda and watching it. But the guy, they looked at his tag and whatever he gave us on, and we had access. Some places, no, no, you can't take your phone here. We had to leave everything out. And so I don't have any proof to show on Facebook. But, but we got on there, and it, it felt pretty good. And I, the thing that was most flattering was some chief of staff of some big person out there came in. She was trying to figure out who are these people. Come here, Pastor Dustin. And he goes, hey. You guys from the Secret Service? I was like, yeah. <laughs> Man, I just wanted to lie for a little bit and then repent later. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. We're just his friend, you know? <laughs> but it felt good. It felt good. But it was cool to have that. It showed how you could get a tour. You get a tour with a guy with access. Now, Jesus gave us access to the father when he died on that tree he gave you and I nothing special for me than for you all of us through his blood he's given us access to the mercy seat to the throne of grace now we can go to God that's what we pray like we do because we can approach the throne of grace not with fear not with uh, panic or anything we can Go with confidence and bring our needs before the Lord. He says that we can pray to the one who cares for us. And bring, because he is an ever-present help in time of need. We can do it with confidence. Confidence. Not afraid anymore because he declared it is finished. The veil's been set, split apart. And now we have access to God. You know what's sad? Just because you have access doesn't mean you you use it. You could have the keys to the car. You could have the fob. But that car is not going anywhere until you turn it on. Until you get on the seat and start driving it. And so it's quit complaining that God's not working on you when you're not using your access code. Okay. Through his blood, we have access to the almighty God. And we can approach him, we can worship him. It says that now, when we lift up our hands, says, we lift up holy hands. Connecting to the first point. No, because he shed his blood and he gave us the right currency. And now, even though we are still sinners, even though we still mess up, even though maybe you even fought coming here this morning. He says, no, give me those American dollars there. Here's some Kenyan shillings. I'm giving you the right currency. Now you can lift up your hand and says, "We're lifting up holy hands to worship." And now our praise becomes an awesome sacrifice. says Now our praise becomes a sweet-smelling aroma in the presence of God, because we got the right, we got the right currency and we got access. Oh yeah. I had someone say, "Thank you, Jesus. Help him out. Come on. This is a good time to say thank you, Jesus. And for the third thing, I'll save it for next week because this is a series. Stand up. (laughs) Did you receive something to God? Are you thankful for the currency? Are you thankful for for the access we have today? Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. Thank you that you went to the cross. You gave your life. They didn't take it. That's right. You died. You took the pain. You took all the brutality. You took everything. You didn't leave anything behind.